Hi, and welcome to another Market Voice podcast from FIA. I'm Jeff Reeves. FIA returned to the brewery in London for our IDX conference in June with a packed program featuring CEO of the LME Matthew Chamberlain, recently appointed CFTC commissioners Christy Goldsmith-Romero and Kristen Johnson, and many others from the global clear derivatives industry. One of the highlights of the event was a keynote speech from Gwyneth Nurse of Her Majesty's Treasury, discussing an overview of current and developing regulatory approaches for the UK's wholesale financial markets in the wake of its departure from the European Union. Nurse, the Director General of Financial Services at HM Treasury, sat down with FIA's President and CEO Walt Lucan for a brief Q&A after her address. It adds a bit more color to how the UK will address concerns around transparency in our markets, the cost of regulatory complexity, cross-border cooperation on CCP oversight, and recent efforts around central bank digital currencies. Here's FIA's Walt Lucan and HM Treasury's Gwyneth Nurse. So now that you've left the EU, I think some observers feel that the UK may be deregulating, moving towards less transparent markets. That's been one of the criticisms. How do you respond to that criticism? So, Walt, you won't be surprised to hear that I wouldn't agree with that. Uh, I think as, as I just set out in the speech, we think that transparency is crucial to the functioning of, of financial markets. It ensures best prices can be identified, resulting in better outcomes for investors. So we want efficient and transparent markets that work for end investors. But transparency is a means to an end. There's no point in disclosing information that doesn't aid price formation or bring wider benefits. So we want to make markets more effective, but do away with needless requirements uh, that achieve very little. So, you know, for example, um, the changes we are planning to the transparency regime for fixed income and derivatives markets, MIFID II extended the equity transparency regime to non-equities. It hasn't worked. We think these are different. So we're going to have different rules. So that's what I would say. So I I don't agree with the premise. uh, and, And that is what we're trying to achieve. And as you go through these reforms, I think there's also concerns that this may add a layer of complexity, um, increased costs for, especially for businesses that are trading cross-border. So I'm just curious what your thoughts are there. Sure. Uh, so look, I think it's a good question. Um, but I suppose the government's view is now the UK has left the EU, we need to ensure that our regulatory frameworks meet the needs of UK markets. And I think as I set out, there's a really unique opportunity right now to ensure the financial services sector has the right rules and regulations for UK markets and to build a system that continues to be one the rest of the world looks towards. So we're going to be guided by a continued commitment to the highest international standards to support a world-class environment for doing business, maintaining financial stability and protecting consumers and investors. But, I mean, regulatory regimes, as as we were discussing earlier, like the sector itself, are not static. So so regulation will be, across all the major jurisdictions globally, will evolve over time. So the EU, the US, others are all regularly updating their rule books. Um, We will continue to engage regularly uh, with other jurisdictions on regulatory issues. And we'll continue that cooperation as our markets involved. So we're going to stay in touch. We, we will be keenly watching, but we will be shaping the market to work for the UK. Well, that's great. 
Now, another central uh, component of our markets is, is clearing and CCPs. Um, so clearly with you know, Brexit, um, there are concerns that there may be divergence, um, in particular around CCP regulation. There's lots of discussions we have as an industry on equivalence and recognition and those sorts of things. But how are you maintaining uh, clearinghouse uh, standards at the highest levels? Because London is uh, the gold standard for our markets in many ways, but I'm just curious how you're thinking about CCP regulation going forward. Um, sure. So look, we're starting from a very strong position, as you said. So we have one of the world's most robust regulatory regimes for central counterparties. And as the Chancellor said it in Mansion House last year, our, our plan is to not to weaken, but to strengthen that regime because we absolutely believe in high quality regulation. So, for example, on that, um, last year, the Treasury consulted on implementing a senior manager and certification regime for central counterparties. And on strengthening the CCP resolution regime, we intend to continue to reflect our commitment to high standards in the forthcoming financial services and markets bill. Um, also in line with the future regulatory framework approach I mentioned earlier, we're proposing to give the Bank of England primary responsibility for setting regulatory standards in this space. They are the independent expert regulator. So we propose giving the bank greater rulemaking powers to enable this. So our regime will be then able to change in an agile way to adapt to changing circumstances. Um, the bank will regulate CCPs according to an updated set of statutory objectives. So there will be the proposal is to have additions to ensure that the bank continues to consider the impact of its regulation on other jurisdictions. There'll be a new innovation objective to help CCPs work to improve the quality of services they provide. So look, we're, we're doing a lot, but central to this is maintaining our robust regulatory regime uh, and being mindful of what's happening outside the UK as well as inside the UK. And so much of the UK's um, financial services business comes from outside of the UK, as you mentioned. An important regulatory component for that is equivalence decisions. Um, that mechanism allows cross-border activity to occur. I know you have been in discussions with the EU um, on equivalence decisions. So are, what sort of actions are you taking to further some of those equivalence decisions? So look, Walt, on this, uh, the government's ambition had been to reach a comprehensive set of mutual decisions on financial services equivalents, but that hasn't happened. Yeah. I can't therefore speak about how the EU are seeking to operate their internal autonomous processes for granting equivalents. But the UK government has been really clear that the EU will never have cause to deny the UK financial services access because of poor regulatory standards. The Commission submitted questionnaires to the UK government to help with the equivalence assessments. Uh, we responded fully and comprehensively to those requests. We returned over 2,500 pages of responses by the beginning of July 2020. We've made sure that the EU has got all the information that it requires to make a positive decision for the UK for all the equivalence regimes. And we remain open to answering any further questions that the, the Commission may have. Well, I was interested in your touching on digital assets um, in your speech, and you, you put a little bit of a timeline around the central bank uh, digital 
currency concept. I think it's intriguing for an American where we're pretty far behind, I think, what the UK is doing. So I'm just curious what the timeline is and also how that relates to the timeline around stable coins, because it almost feels the cart before the horse if we do stable coins before the, the CBDC. I can't ever get the acronym right. <laughs> yeah, so, um, so I'm just curious, any, any more thoughts on the timeline? Sure. So, I mean, we are, uh, as announced in the Queen's speech, preparing to put in regulation for stable coins because uh, that's something we could see. We could see that developing in the market and uh, a decision was taken to, to put in appropriate regulation. But, you know, alongside that, we, together with the Bank of England, have been looking closely at CBDC. It's not the easiest of acronyms. <laughs> um, but no decision has been yet made on the issuance of such a digital currency. I mean, it would be a, a major national infrastructure project. But let, let me give you a bit more of a sense of, of what we're doing. So as I said in, in my remarks, a, a consultation will be published later in 2022. And the idea of that is to assess the case for a UK CBDC. So we will look to assess the merits of further work to develop an operational technology model if there is then a decision to proceed, following the consultation, we'd need to do further policy and technical developments. In particular, the Bank of England would need to publish a technical specification to explain the proposed architecture for a UK digital currency. This development phase could involve in-depth testing of the optimal design and overall feasibility. And then following that, we'd need to take a decision on whether to move into a subsequent build and testing phase. I mean, given the scale and national importance of such a project, this phase would be likely to take several years and could involve the development of large-scale prototypes and live pilots. And then were the results of all those phases to conclude that the case for CBDC were made and that it was operationally and technologically robust, then I think the earliest date for launch would be in the second half of the decade. So there's an awful lot of work to do, but that work is underway. And, and, you know, the, the first sign of that will be the consultation later this year. So we should have you back at IDX 2025. Absolutely. Maybe. <laughs> Absolutely. We'd be happy to come. All right. Well, thank you. I'm afraid that's all we have time for. But thank you, Gwyneth Nurse, for being here today. Incredibly interesting. And hopefully you'll come back and see us. We want to offer our industry as a partner in your efforts. So we appreciate it. Great. This podcast is intended for informational purposes only and is not intended to provide investment, tax, business, legal, or professional advice to any individual or entity. Unless specifically stated otherwise, neither FIA nor its members endorse, approve, recommend, or certify any information, opinion, product, process, service, individual, or entity presented or mentioned in this podcast. FIA makes no representations, warranties, or guarantees as to the accuracy or completeness of any of the podcast content. Reliance on the podcast contents is done at your own risk. FIA disclaims any and all liability or responsibility for any direct, indirect, incidental, special of consequential damages arising out of any use of, reference to, reliance on, or inability to use this podcast or its contents. Any commercial use, resale, or redistribution of this podcast without the FIA's express written consent is prohibited. Copyright 2022 FIA, all rights reserved. For more information, visit FIA.org.